Hotep, everybody. This is Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. It is Wednesday, August 30th, 2023, and we are live. So I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecture writer, and historian. Um, I've been wanting to talk about this topic um, for a week now since the charges um, well, going back to August 14th, since the actual indictment, the 41 count indictment uh, was released by District Attorney Fonnie Willis. And then we know Donald Trump uh, was arrested on Thursday, August 24th. So I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered um, last week on Friday, August 25th. And we discussed this and we posted that video, that segment where we dealt with uh, um the mugshot and the arrest of Donald Trump. But I, I wanted to come on and deal with the actual indictment. And it took me some time to go through and read it. It's a 98 page indictment. So I've read most of it. I, I've read a number of different articles uh, dealing with the indictment, different facts about it, etc. So we're going to show you the actual indictment here on the screen. It's a 41 count indictment, 13 counts uh, against Donald Trump. This is dealing with uh, cons uh, uh, the RICO charge in, um, it involves the RICO charge in Georgia and overturning 2020 election results. Um, and then it also, the indictment also lays out 161 overt acts, 161 overt acts, okay? Um, so we're going to, uh, deal with that on today's show. So give us a thumbs up, give us a like, give us a, uh, a heart on this broadcast, take notes. We're going to give you numerous sources as well. Also, we'll let you know about my 12 week online history class that I teach on, um, Saturdays, um, as well. Okay. You can visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com theafricanhistorynetwork.com for more information on that class, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. So if we look at this uh, piece here from the Washington Post, this is from August 24th. Uh, well, this is uh, from August uh, 14th, 2023, Thursday, August 14th, 2023, announcing the... Uh, uh, 13 count indictment against Donald Trump, but it's 41 counts in total. Okay. Trump faces 13 counts in Georgia indictment, uh, 18 others charged. So you have 18 co-conspirators along with Donald Trump, uh, who have been charged. We know they've all, uh, been booked as well. Um, we've seen mug shots of all of them. And Harrison Floyd uh, was issued bond uh, on um, Tuesday, also Tuesday, August 29th. He was finally issued uh, bond. We'll uh, talk about that as well. He was the former executive director of Black Voices for Trump. And he has a previous felony uh, charge against him for assaulting a FBI agent uh, a few months ago. All right. So if we look at this here, an outline of uh, what took place, uh, former president uh, Donald Trump and 18 others were criminally charged in connection 
with efforts to overturn Joe Biden's 2020 win in Georgia. We know Donald Trump uh, told uh, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, uh, find me 11,780 votes. Uh, now, the indictment by an Atlanta area grand jury is the fourth to implicate uh, Donald Trump, the former president. Uh, it follows a two and a half year investigation by Fulton County um, District Attorney Fonnie Willis, who's an African-American woman. And she's a Democrat as well. But this has nothing to do with political affiliation. This has to do with following the law. Um, that also resulted in charges against Trump, uh, Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani, who Donald Trump owes $3 million in back legal fees, back legal fee billings. Uh, former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and former uh, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and several of Trump's advisors, several of Trump's advisors, okay? Now, uh, the grand jury issued arrest warrants for those for, for those charged and they have until noon on August 25th to voluntarily surrender, uh, Fonnie Willis says. So we know they've all surrendered, okay? Uh, Trump's team has opened negotiations about scheduling his surrender, et cetera. So we know that already took place. Um, Okay, so that just gives you uh, a, an overview of what happened here. And they go through and break down a chart of uh, some of the charges, alternate electors, things of that nature. Okay, so you can take a look here at uh, this full piece uh, from uh, the Washington Post. All right, now, and I'll post this link here as well, and you can just Google this also. Okay, now let's look at, um, I was looking at different pieces dealing with facts you should know about the, uh, about the indictment or, or takeaways from the indictment. So let's look at this from uh, the Washington Post. Uh, four things revealed by Trump's Georgia indictment. Four things revealed by Trump's Georgia indictment. Uh, this is an analysis by Aaron Blake uh, from August 15th, August 15th, 2023. So Donald Trump has been criminally charged for the fourth time this year with Fulton County District Attorney uh, Fonnie, T Fonnie T. Willis unveiling an indictment uh, Monday morning, uh, so it was uh, August 14th, Monday morning, uh, sorry, Monday night concerning Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 presidential uh, election result in Georgia. The indictment features 41 counts, 13 of those counts are against Donald John Trump, and charges against Trump aligned lawyers, including Rudolph Giuliani and Sidney Powell, Sidney Powell, uh, the woman who just has some crazy, crazy theories, uh, Sidney Powell and former uh, White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows, we know, 
is trying to get his uh, trial moved from uh, Fulton County Court, from state court to federal court. Now, the core of the indictment, a racketeering charge, implicates all 19 defendants, implicates all 19 defendants. That brings the total number of criminal charges this year against Donald Trump, who is the runaway front runner in the GOP presidential primary. He's facing a total of 91 felony counts uh, over uh, across four uh, trials. Okay, 91 felony counts. Now, the indictment in Trump's second. The, the, the indictment is Trump's second involving his efforts to overturn the 2020 election and the second uh, to be brought outside federal court. Trump was charged on the federal level in, uh, in special counsel Jack Smith's investigation of his broader efforts on the election front. Now, uh, Special Counsel Jack Smith's probe into Trump's refusal to return classified documents also brought an indictment. So they go through and um, lay out, number one, the co-conspirators. Here are some takeaways from this latest indictment, from this 98-page indictment, 41-count indictment. Number one, the co-conspirators do get indicted in Georgia at least, okay? With special counsel Jack Smith's prosecution, the co-conspirators did not get indicted. The biggest way in which this indictment isn't like the others, the Trump allies, it ensnared. So uh, special counsel Jack Smith opted this month in August, 2023, to bring a case against Donald Trump alone while listing six unnamed, but most, but mostly easily identifiable associates as unindicted co-conspirators. As unindicted co-conspirators. Now, um, District Attorney Fonnie Willis has gone in a different direction, also indicting 18 others, she says, took part in the criminal enterprise. Now those eighteen included. Uh, those eighteen include five of the six unindicted co-conspirators from the federal indictment, Special Counsel Jack Smith's indictment. Most notably, former New York Mayor and federal prosecutor Rudy Giuliani, who faces thirteen counts of his own. The others are uh, crazy uh, Sidney Powell, Attorney Sidney Powell, Powell, P O W E L A. P-O-W-E-L-L, who is accused of orchestrating a breach of voting machines in Coffee County, Georgia. Trump lawyer John Eastman, a key figure in the alternate, alternate elector plot um, that deals with the Electoral College, the electors of the Electoral College alternate elector plot. Trump-aligned lawyer Kenneth uh, Chesbro, uh, another key figure in the alternate elector plot. And Kenneth Chesbro said he wanted a speedy trial. So Fannie Willis said that his court date would be October 23rd. So she's gonna give him a speedy trial. The judge has to rule on that. But uh, what took two and a half years to bring about these indictments is that uh, finally, not just the investigation, 
But Fonnie Willis is ready to go with the trial basically now. Okay. So you're talking about October 20, you're talking about uh, October 23rd, uh, the trial starting. And based upon Georgia state law and their speedy uh, trial law, the trial would have had to start uh, by early, sometime in early November. All right. So um, these people messed around and found out they messed with the wrong person with district attorney, Fonnie Willis. Now, former Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark, who uh, Donald Trump aimed to install as acting attorney general and who attempted to get the Department of Justice to bolster baseless claims about voter fraud, bolster baseless claims about voter fraud. Others of note who weren't listed as co-conspirators in the federal indictment include uh, Donald Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, Trump campaign legal advisor, Jenna Ellis, and state Republican chairman, David Schaefer. Okay, uh, so read the rest of this here as well. Um, and one of the things that we see is a constant theme here is the vilification of African-Americans targeting uh, Detroit, targeting Atlanta, Georgia, voters in Detroit, Atlanta, Georgia, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, targeting areas, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, targeting areas that have high populations of African-Americans vilifying African-Americans like Ruby Freeman and, and, and her uh, daughter, uh, Shea Moss. Okay. We're going to see this theme. Uh, let's continue. Now, number two, the indictment focuses on false statements. The indictment focuses on false statements, which is, uh, different than the special counsel indictment. And we did, a, I did a, uh, two videos breaking down the special counsel indictment. Uh, coming from Jack Smith. So you can watch those because we took you through the actual indictment as we'll do here today. We'll actually go through the actual indictment. I'm going to show it to you on the screen. Now, number two, the indictment focuses on false statements, oaths. A core defense in the federal January 6th case is the idea that Donald Trump was merely exercising free speech. We heard Donald Trump say that. We heard uh, Kevin McCarthy say that, Jim Jordan, uh, Byron Donalds, uh, uh, the black Republican from uh, Florida who's brain damaged. We've heard many people say, oh, he was just exercising free speech, which is not which was not the case because he's still pushing the big lie after he lost 61 out of 62 uh, court cases. And because there was no evidence of a big lie, he, he the, the election was not stolen. He just lost. Now, this piece here is, uh, from the Washington Post goes on to say, but that defense won't work as easily in Georgia, saying that he was just exercising free speech. Georgia has a broad prohibition against making, quote, a false, fictitious or fraudulent statement or representation in any matter within the jurisdiction of any department or agency of state government. Okay. Georgia, you're dealing with Georgia state law. Okay. Georgia, the state of Georgia has a broad prohibition against making quote, a false fictitious or fraudulent statement or representation 
in any matter within the jurisdiction of any department or agency of state government, end quote. Now that law figures heavily in the indictment with the phrase, quote, false statement, end quote, with the phrase false statement appearing more than 100 times in this 98 page indictment, including as individual counts and as part of the alleged racketeering. The, this 98 page indictment lists 161 overt acts. It goes through and individually lists 161 overt acts committed by Donald Trump and or some of the 18 co-conspirators. And we're going to go through one of the reasons, one of the reasons why it took me so long to do this broadcast is because I had to go through and read this 98 page indictment. I've read most of it. I've, I've went through uh, all of the 161 overt acts. Um, so just taking some time to go through and really do the research. Now, defendants like Donald Trump and Rudolph Giuliani are accused of making false statements about voter fraud publicly, accused of making false statements about voter fraud publicly, making false statements about voter fraud in legal filings, making false statements about voter fraud in hearings in Georgia and elsewhere. Another frequently included crime is solicitation of violation of public oath by a public officer. So I saw that repeatedly in the 100, in some of the 161 overt acts. Another frequently included crime is solicitation of violation of public oath by a public officer. Essentially, this amounts to asking someone to violate their sworn duties, including by asking them to help overturn a legitimate election result. The most notable example is Donald Trump's January 2nd, 2021 call to Georgia uh, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who's a Republican. Brad Raffensperger is a Republican, during which Donald Trump told Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger he needed to, quote unquote, find just enough votes to overturn the election result. He said 11,780 votes okay, which would be one more than uh, what the, what the uh, uh, Biden, Biden had. Chief of Staff, uh, Trump's former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows was also indicted over his role in this January 2nd, 2021 call. Now, Donald Trump and others, including Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, and uh, uh, Chesebro, um, are also charged in the alternate elector plot with various conspiracies, including to commit forgery, a charge that was also brought against the Michigan alternate electors. And there were 16 alternate electors charged here in Michigan 
by our uh, by Dana Nessel, who is our uh, state's attorney general here in Michigan. Now, number three, the number three takeaway from this indictment, the crimes allegedly went well past January 6, 2021. The crimes allegedly went well past January 6, 2021. So one of the most striking details comes in the 38th and 39th counts, the last charges against Donald Trump, which date to September 17th, 2021, nearly eight months after Donald Trump left office. So we know the inauguration was January 20th, 2021. We know the attempted insurrection was January 6th, 2021. The last uh, the 38th and 39th counts uh, deal with September 17th, 2021, okay? Now, the charge has to do with a letter that Donald Trump sent to Georgia, uh, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, which echoed a report alleging that 43,000 ballots in Atlanta-based DeKalb County were not properly handled using chain of custody rules. Now, Donald Trump suggested that Brad Raffensperger, quote, start the process of decertifying the election, start the process of decertifying the election or whatever the correct legal remedy is and announced the true winner, end quote. This is what uh, Donald Trump uh, said in the letter that he sent to uh, Brad Raffensperger, Georgia Secretary of State. Now, the indictment accuses Donald Trump and others of having corruptly solicited Georgia officials, including Secretary of State and the Speaker of the House of Representatives to violate their oaths to the Georgia state constitution and to the United States constitution by unlawfully changing the outcome of the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election in Georgia in favor of Donald Trump, end quote. Now, after Donald Trump left office, many Republicans urged him to stop talking about a quote unquote stolen election because they knew he was lying. And this was for fear it would damage their party in the aftermath of the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol. But Donald Trump was unswayed. It wound up costing the GOP in the 2022 midterm elections, and now it's cost Trump in the form of additional charges. Number four, the number four takeaway from this indictment is the political impact might not be the trial. The political impact might not be the trial. So the prosecution of Trump and the others in Fulton County will stand out for one distinct reason. Unlike the federal trials, unless the rules change, it should be televised. So federal court trials are not televised. State court trials can be televised. So this trial most likely will be televised. This is in state court. The prosecution of Trump and the others in Fulton County will stand out for one distinct reason. Unlike the federal trials, it should be televised. Now, the federal trial should be televised as well for transparency, 
to reduce the ability for Trump and his and his cronies to lie. It should be televised also. Okay. Um, all right, now let's continue here. How's everybody doing? Give us a thumbs up, give us a heart, give us a like on this broadcast. Share this broadcast on your social media platforms. I'm Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. You've seen numerous of, uh, of our videos here. Subscribe to our fan page and YouTube channel. Um, and I wanted to do this broadcast sooner after the uh, indictment came down August 14th. But this is a 98-page indictment. And I went to the printer, got it printed up. I had to read through the indictment. So it's taking some time. And there's new developments each day. Uh, we know Donald Trump was booked on uh, August 24th, Thursday, August 24th. So um, I've read numerous articles on this as well. We talked about this on Roland Martin Unfiltered when I was on on Friday, August 25th. So we're doing this broadcast now. OK. All right. Um, OK, let's continue here. And I'm going to show you the actual indictment here in uh, just a minute. OK. So let's go back to this piece from the Washington Post dealing with four takeaways uh, from the indictment. Okay, that will seemingly bring a measure of transparency. If, if, if the trial is televised, it will seemingly bring a measure of transparency uh, to the high stakes proceedings and create appointment viewing just as the House January 6th committee hearings did last year, but potentially with even greater numbers. But unlike the other trials, the spectacle is less likely to play out when it matters politically. Uh, the many defendants and Trump's already crowded legal calendar make this a strong candidate for getting delayed past the 2024 elections. Uh, Fannie Willis says she will ask for a trial date uh, within six months, but that's ambitious. Now, we know that in the special counsel Jack Smith's uh, prosecution, his case, uh, Judge Chalkton set the trial date for March 4th, 2024. Donald Trump wanted April 20, April, he wanted April of 2026, which didn't make any sense whatsoever. It's going to be March 4th, uh, 2024. And if he keeps mouthing off on, if he keeps running his mouth, if he keeps threatening the judge, if he keeps threatening witnesses, if he keeps talking about the judge and witnesses and things like this, she could, she, she may move it up uh, earlier than March 4th. Donald Trump messed around and found out. Okay, so read the rest of this here. This is from uh, the Washington Post. Four things revealed by Trump's Georgia indictment. This is uh, by Aaron Blake, August 15th, 2023. So it was a pretty good analysis because I've read some other. I read the one from the Washington Post dealing with takeaways. I looked at the one from CNN, uh, NBC News as well. So this is a really good one here. Okay. All right. Now let's look at the... Um, We'll look at the indictment and we know Donald Trump uh, surrendered also August uh, 24th. Let's look at the um, let's look at the indictment. OK, so for all these different news outlets and usually in their articles that talk about the indictment, there's usually a link there that takes you uh, to the actual indictment from Fulton County. Fulton County. So you can read through uh, the whole thing. All right. 
Uh, I got mine from the New York Times. We're going to look at this piece here uh, from uh, the New York Times. This deals with, and where I got it from was uh, in this article here. Let's see, which one is it? It's the article dealing with Trump surrenders. Let's see here. No, it's the other one. It's um, okay. I got it from this one right here. So when you go to the New York Times um, and you look at the uh, Trump case in Georgia, they have it laid out across the top, across the menu, what we know, the indictment, key players, the prosecutor, et cetera. Okay. If you click on the indictment and some of the New York, some articles in the New York times are free. Others, you have to have a, a membership. I have a membership. I have a digital subscription to New York times, Washington post time magazine, wall street journal. It's like a number of different news outlets. I pay each month to, I have subscriptions to each month, Atlanta journal constitution. Um, so, but the Trump indictment annotated, okay? And if you scroll down, it, so it lays out here the 41 counts, 22 counts related to forgery or false documents and statements, eight counts related to soliciting or impersonating public officers, three counts related to influence and witnesses, three counts related to election fraud or defrauding the state, three counts related to computer tampering, one count related to racketeering, one count related to perjury. So the indictment is 41 counts against numerous, against 19 people in total. 13 counts are against Donald Trump. So when you scroll down right here, the New York Times is annotating the document. If you click right here, download the full PDF. You can download the PDF of the, um, of the full document, okay? And it goes through here um, and... It has um, annotations from the New York Times as well, okay? So RICO stands for Racketeer Influence and, and Corrupt Organizations Act, okay? Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. Uh, I'm going to go to what I already have pulled up for the uh, indictment. Let's go to... right here where is it okay let's look at this here okay so you should be able to see this okay good i'm going to zoom in on it so don't worry all right so this is filed august 14th 2014 i'm going to highlight some things uh in this uh, uh 98 page indictment no i'm not going to go through the entire 98 pages we're going to skip past this here. We're going to go to, um, we're going to start on, it lays out the counts also starting on page 10 table. So it has a table of contents, count one violation of the Georgia RICO racketeer influence and corrupt organizations act. Okay. So we see that here. So they, they, they go through, they lay out all 41 counts. 
solicitation of violation of oath by public officer. So they go through, lay out all 41 counts. Okay, so then we go through and we look at, okay, so that ends on page 12, okay, table of contents of the counts. Then we go to page 13, count one, the grand jurors. And now these were regular citizens, okay? These are regular citizens in the state of Georgia. The grand jurors aforesaid in the name and behalf of the citizens of Georgia do hereby charge and accuse Donald John Trump, Rudolph Giuliani, John Charles Eastman, uh, Mark Randall Meadows, Kenneth John Chesbro, uh, et cetera. Okay. Now, with the they charged them with the offense of violation of the Georgia Rico Racketeer, um, the Georgia Rico Act. Okay, racketeer influenced and corrupt organizations. Okay, Rico. Uh, for said accused individually and as persons concerned in the commission of a crime, concerned in the commission of a crime, and uh, together with the unindicted co-conspirators in the state of Georgia and county of Fulton on and between the uh, November 4th, 2020, and the fifth day of September 2022, while associated with a enter with an enterprise while associated with an enterprise unlawfully conspired and endeavored to conduct and participate in directly and indirectly such enterprise through a pattern of racketeering activity in violation of uh georgia uh georgia statute 16-14-4 section b as described below and incorporated by reference as if fully set forth herein contrary to the laws of said state, the good order, peace, and dignity thereof. Okay, so then it, that's page 13. Then it goes through and lays out this introduction here, okay, on page 14. Introduction. Defendant Donald John Trump lost the United States presidential election held on November 3rd, 2020, okay? One of the states he lost was Georgia. Trump and other defendants charged in this indictment refused to accept that Donald Trump lost and they knowingly and willfully joined a conspiracy to unlawfully change the outcome of the election in favor of Donald Trump. That conspiracy contained a common plan and purpose to commit two or more acts of racketeering, to commit two or more acts of racketeering activity in Fulton County, Georgia, elsewhere in the state of Georgia and in other states. One of those states would be the state of Michigan where I live. Now, then, District Attorney Fonnie Willis on page 15 lays out the enterprise, okay, lays out the enterprise. At all times relevant to this count of the indictment, the defendants as well as others not named as defendants. Let me see. I want to make sure you all can see this okay. As well as others not named as defendants unlawfully conspired 
and endeavored to conduct and participate in a criminal enterprise in Fulton County, Georgia, and elsewhere. Defendants Donald John Trump, uh, Rudolph William Louise Giuliani, John Charles Eastman, Mark Randall Meadows, Kenneth uh, John uh, Chesabro, and others. Unindicted co-conspirators, individual one through individual 30. There are 30 unindicted co-conspirators. Maybe at some point they'll be indicted. Unindicted co-conspirators, individual one through individual 30, and others known and unknown to the grand jury, constituted a criminal organization whose members and associates engaged in various related criminal activities. So this is a wide ranging conspiracy. You got 19 people indicted, you have 30 unindicted co-conspirators, and then you have a number of other people known and unknown to the grand jury. Associates engaged in various related criminal activities, including but not limited to false statements and writings, impersonating a public officer, forgery, filing false documents, influencing witnesses, computer theft, computer trespass, computer invasion of privacy, conspiracy to defraud the state, acts involving theft and perjury. Now, for all you dumbass uh, Donald Trump supporters out there, who's saying he didn't do anything, all, all this, he didn't do anything illegal, all this, okay? Now, if uh, President Barack Obama did one twentieth of this, you all would be calling for him to be impeached and you'd be calling for him to be put in prison. If President Barack Obama did one twentieth of this, okay? Go through and read this indictment because most of y'all haven't read it. I can tell by your comments. Go through and read this indictment. All this is illegal. False statements and writings, impersonating a public officer, forgery, filing false documents, influencing witnesses. That's witness tampering. Influencing witnesses, computer theft, computer trespass, computer invasion of privacy, conspiracy to defraud the state, acts involving theft and perjury. The criminal organization constituted an enterprise as that term is defined in the uh, Georgia statute, uh, Georgia statute 16-14-3, uh, section three. That is a group of individuals associated in fact. The defendants and other members and associates of the enterprise had connections and relationships with one another and with the enterprise. The enterprise constituted an ongoing organization whose members and associates function as a continuing unit for a common purpose, function as a continuing unit for a common purpose of achieving the objectives of the enterprise. So the way the Georgia RICO statute is listed Everybody doesn't have to know everybody that's indicted. 
They just have to be all working together in a conspiracy for achieving common objectives. Everybody don't have to know everybody. Because some people will say, I don't know that person over there. I don't know that. Donald Trump, Donald Trump may say he doesn't know anybody because he has a habit of disassociating himself. Oh, I don't, I don't. they only work for me for a very short period of time. I really didn't know him. He worked for me 10 years. He really didn't do that much for me. I, I, I don't know. who. What, what's his name? No, I don't. No, you don't have to know everybody based upon Georgia state law and their RICO statute. The enterprise operated in Fulton County, Georgia, elsewhere in the state of Georgia, in other states, including but not limited to Arizona, Michigan, New Mexico, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and the District of Columbia. The enterprise operated for a period of time sufficient to permit its members and associates to pursue its objectives. The enterprise operated for a period of time sufficient to permit its members and associates to pursue its objectives. Now, so then it goes through on page 16 and breaks down manner and methods of the enterprise and it lays out eight manner it lays out eight points manner and methods of the enterprise the manner and methods used by the defendants and other members and associates of the enterprise to further the goals of the enterprise and to achieve its purpose included but were not limited to the following number one false statements to false statements to and solicitation of state legislatures false statements to and solicitation of state legislatures members of the enterprise including several of the defendants appeared at hearings in fulton county georgia before members of the Georgia General Assembly on December 3rd, 2020, December 10th, 2020, and December 30th, 2020. At these hearings, members of the enterprise made false statements concerning fraud in the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election. The purpose of these false statements was to persuade Georgia legislators to reject lawful electoral college votes. The purpose of these false statements was to persuade Georgia state legislators to reject lawful electoral college votes cast by the duly elected and qualified presidential electors from Georgia, okay? This is fraud, all right? They're trying to persuade the Georgia, they're lying to the Georgia legislators, trying to get them to commit fraud, trying to solicit them for this conspiracy. Members of the enterprise corruptly solicited Georgia legislators instead to unlawfully appoint their own president presidential electors for the purpose of casting electoral votes for Donald Trump. Let me repeat that. Members of the enterprise corruptly solicited Georgia state legislators instead 
to unlawfully appoint their own presidential electors for the purpose of casting electoral college votes for Donald Trump. Members of the enterprise also made false statements to state legislators during hearings and meetings in Arizona, Michigan, and Pennsylvania in November and December 2020 to persuade legislators in those states to unlawfully appoint their own presidential electors. Number two, that's so that's looking at manner and methods, page, page 16. If you have the indictment at home, if you download it, you can follow along. You can read along with me at home. No, manner and methods of the enterprise. Number two, false statements to and solicitation of high-ranking state officials. Members of the enterprise, including several of the defendants, made false statements in Fulton County and elsewhere in the state of Georgia to Georgia uh, officials, including the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, the secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, and, and the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Members of the enterprise also corruptly solicited Georgia officials, including the Secretary of State and the Speaker of the House of Representatives to violate their oaths to the Georgia State Constitution and to the United States Constitution by, by unlawfully changing the outcome of the November 3rd, 2020 election okay page 17 uh presidential election in georgia in favor of donald trump members of the enterprise also made false statements to and solicited state officials in arizona michigan and pennsylvania okay number three manner and methods of the enterprise number three creation and distribution of false electoral college documents that's fraud creation and distribution of false electoral college documents members of the enterprise including several of the defendants created false electoral college documents and recruited individuals to convene and cast false electoral college votes in electoral, electoral college votes at the Georgia State Capitol in Fulton County, Georgia on December 14, 2020. Okay, let me repeat that. Members of the enterprise, including several of the defendants, created false electoral college documents and recruited individuals to convene and cast false electoral college votes at the Georgia State Capitol in Fulton County on December 14, 2020. That's a conspiracy. That's a conspiracy to commit fraud. Now, after the false electoral college votes were cast, members of the enterprise transmitted the votes to the president of the United States Senate, the archivist of the United States, the Georgia Secretary of State, and the chief judge of the United States District Court for the Northern District of Georgia. The false documents were intended to disrupt and delay the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021, in order to unlawfully change the outcome 
of the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election in favor of Donald Trump. Similar schemes were executed by members of the enterprise in Arizona, Michigan, Nevada, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. So all you Donald Trump supporters that don't think anything was wrong, anything was illegal. So you're trying to tell me that in uh, when when Hillary Clinton lost the 2016 presidential election, you're trying to tell me that a Black Lives Matter organized a coup on uh, uh, when, when they had the joint session of, of Congress that Vice President Joe Biden presided over. You're trying to tell me that a Black Lives Matter conspired to create false electors and submit that to the president of the United States. So submit that to the president of the United States, the archivist of the United States, the Georgia Secretary of State, and the Chief Judge of the United States District Court. Okay, you're trying to tell me you're trying to tell me all that would be legal. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, not only that, but you still have some people stuck on stupid who haven't read the U.S. Constitution who will say things like, uh, like I saw Mike Pence, he was in, I think it was in Iowa a few weeks ago. And this was, um, there was one, there was one woman in the audience who said uh, he had the constitutional right to send the electors, send the um, uh, electoral college votes back. Okay, send them back to the states. He told her, no, ma'am, I didn't. No, the the, the uh, role of the vice president in that joint session of Congress is ceremonial. The, the vice president does not have the authority to send electoral college votes back after they've been certified by the states. They don't have the authority to do that. Now, if you're under the misimpression if you're under the false notion that the vice president does have that authority. Okay. So what you're saying is, is that in January of 2017, when vice president Joe Biden presided over the same election, uh, over the same joint session of Congress to certify the 306 electoral college votes that Donald Trump got when Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton through the electoral college because he lost the popular vote by 2.9 million votes. Then what you're saying is, is that Joe Biden had the authority to send electoral college votes back to the states. This is what you're saying. There's nowhere in the U.S. Constitution that gives the vice president that authority. But this is what you're saying. If you're saying that uh, Vice President Mike Pence had that authority, then you're saying that Vice President Joe Biden had that authority. Okay, if you're saying that Joe Biden had that authority in 2017, then you also have to admit that that Vice President Kamala Harris has the same goddamn authority in January of 2025. If somebody else becomes president, you're saying that Vice President Kamala Harris has the same authority that you're saying that Vice President Mike Pence had to send electoral college votes back. That's nonsense. The vice president has never had that authority, period. They're just making stuff up. And if you think the vice president has that authority, show me in the U.S. Constitution where it gives the vice president that authority. Then that meant that Vice President Al Gore in January of 2001, when they certified the 
uh, election results and George and George uh, W. Bush won Florida and became president, then you're saying that Vice President Al Gore had authority to send electoral college votes back. The, the vice president does not have that authority. They are lying. They're just making stuff up. But if you but if you but if you're saying that Vice President Mike Pence had that authority, then you're saying Vice President Kamala Harris has the same authority January 2025. If the vice president has that authority, then why do you have elections? If the vice president has the authority to send back electoral college votes to, to keep a president in office, why do you have elections? This is what these stuck on stupid people are putting out here. Tell them watch this video. All right, how's everybody doing? Give us a thumbs up, give us a heart, give us a like on this broadcast. Also, if you like this type of information that we share here at the African History Network, I'm Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecture writer, and historian. Uh, you see me on Roland Martin and Filter. You see me on Faraji Muhammad's show, The Culture. You see me in numerous media uh, appearances. I've been on uh, when Tammy Mack had her show on the Fox Soul TV network. I was on the Tammy Mack uh, show uh, three times, um, actually. Um, I was just on uh, Reva Martin's uh, show on KBLA 1580 AM out of Southern California, which is Tavis Miley's radio station. I was on her show a couple of times uh, this year as well. Uh, visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Um, get, get, get more information about the African History Network, uh, information about the African History Network show. We're on Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, not on 9, 10 a.m. WFDF anymore. They did a um, they did a, a, a format change, so they're not doing talk radio. But I have my own network, like here, I have my own network, so that doesn't phase me at all. Uh, Saturdays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you register for the 12-week online class, uh, 12-week online course that I teach, Ancient Kemet, one of the original names for Egypt. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach you in school. Uh, we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch it anytime. Okay. And we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. And when you scroll down, uh, we have the information for, we have videos. Uh, you can watch some of my videos, um, uh, digital downloads, and we have our PayPal Cash App information. Uh, as well here, okay. If you want to support us, all right. Let's go. Let's get back to this. Let's go back to the actual indictment. All right. Hopefully, you all are learning a lot. Um. Okay. Ahmed, uh, Lena Ahmed said you're on point. Keep up the great work. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um. And um, let's see. Okay. These dumbass Trump supporters. We're not going to show you their comments. Um. Let's see here. All right. Uh, Sharon said, love the way you explain uh, all of this. It makes it makes these complicated issues a lot more uh, understandable. Thanks. I appreciate it. That's the sign of a good teacher to take something that's complicated and break it down so people can understand. Um, Udell Bowler. How you doing, Udell? Uh, greetings from the shy. Everyone keep up. Keep us updated on happenings in the world. Uh, everyone enjoy life. All right. Okay. So that's comments from a few of the people watching. If I missed your comment, go ahead and post it again. Um, 
we'll go ahead and uh, try to get that. Okay, let's go back to this here. Let's go back to the actual indictment. All right, now. Okay, so this is methods and manner number four, manner and methods of the enterprise number four. We're on page 17 of this 98-page indictment. Harassment, number four, harassment and intimidation of Fulton County election worker Ruby Freeman. This is the African-American uh, woman. Uh, she and her daughter Shea Moss testified at the January 6th hearings. Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss' life were turned upside down by these lies pushed by Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, and these other co-conspirators, okay? Uh, members of the enterprise, including several of the defendants, falsely accused Fulton County election worker Ruby Freeman of committing election crimes in Fulton County, Georgia. Falsely accused Fulton County election worker Ruby Freeman of committing election crimes in Fulton County, Georgia. These false accusations were repeated to Georgia legislators and other Georgia officials in an effort to persuade them to unlawfully change the outcome of the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election in favor of Donald Trump. So all, all these people that went out here lying, especially Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump, be honest with you, they belong in prison for the rest of their lives. They belong. Donald Trump is facing 91 felony counts over four criminal cases, but he's also uh, dealing with three uh, civil cases as well. Because the case in New York dealing with inflating assets to get loans, which is fraud. When you when you when you write when you when you write it in in uh, financial uh, statements uh, that you know your property is worth a hundred million dollars and is worth twenty million dollars, okay? And you know this, and you're doing this to get more money. This is this is what Michael Corn ex exposed his former attorney that went to prison. This is what Michael Corn exposed when he testified in front of Congress before he went to prison, okay? When I saw that, I said, "Oh, Trump, Trump's in trouble." Because that was his attorney for 10 years. Michael Cohen knows all of this. And, and Alan Friedman, who went to prison for a few months, Alan Friedman was the CFO of, of Trump Enterprises. He knows all this also. So as, as I said before, if you follow me on Facebook, I've posted a few times, uh, this is not going to be a hot boy summer for Donald Trump. The 2023 is going to be the worst year of his life. The only worst, the only year worse than 2023 is going to be 2024. And I've said numerous times, the worst thing Donald Trump ever did was run for president. Because when you become president, that puts you under a a huge microscope. Second dumbest, second worst thing he did was uh, try to organize a coup try to incite an insurrection and when we look at lawrence tribe when we look at some of these conservative uh legal scholars they're saying based upon section three of the 14th amendment that he's barred from running for president and we know the 14th amendment of 1868 came after the civil war ends after chattel slavery ends 
when uh, the 13th Amendment is ratified December 6, 1865, uh, when Georgia ratifies the 13th Amendment. But that was designed to keep the former Confederates, the insurrectionists, from holding public office. Okay, now, these false accusations were repeated to Georgia legislators and other Georgia officials in an effort to persuade them to unlawfully change the outcome of the November 2020 presidential election in favor of Donald Trump. In furtherance of this scheme, members of the enterprise traveled from out of state to harass Ruby Freeman. Members of this enterprise traveled out of state to harass Ruby Freeman, intimidate her, and solicit her to falsely confess to election crimes that she did not commit. We know uh, her daughter, Shay Moss, uh, testified that Rudy Giuliani was running around lying, saying that they were on camera passing back and forth a, a flash drive and they were uploading votes for Donald Trump, for uh, Joe Biden, all this was just lying, okay? Shay Moss testified in the January 6th hearing that she passed her mother uh, a ginger mint. They weren't passing back and forth a flash drive, anything like that. And we also know that um, Rudy Giuliani got some uh, bad news uh, today as well. Because if we look at this piece here from um, the uh, New York Times. Giuliani is liable. Let's pull this up here. This is um, Giuliani is liable for defaming Georgia election workers, Judge says. So we know there's a civil lawsuit against Giuliani, Donald Trump, things like this, dealing with the violation of the 1871 Ku Klux Klan Act. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. New York Times. This is from August 30th, 2023. Giuliani is liable for defaming Georgia election workers, judge says. The ruling means that a defamation case against Rudy, uh, Rudolph W. Giuliani stemming from his role in seeking to overturn the 2020 election can proceed to a trial where damages will be considered. Very quickly here, you can read the rest. Of, you can read the rest of this. But very quickly, a federal judge ruled on Wednesday, August 30th, that Rudy Giuliani was liable for defaming two Georgia election workers by repeatedly, by repeatedly declaring that they had mishandled ballots while counting, uh, while counting votes in Atlanta during the 2020 election. The ruling by Judge Beryl A. Howell in uh, federal district court in Washington, D.C., means that the defamation case against Rudy Giuliani, a central figure in former, Donald, uh, former President Donald Trump's efforts to remain in power after his election loss, can proceed to trial on the narrow question of how much, if any, damages he will have to pay the plaintiffs in the case. Judge Howell's decision came a little, a little more than a month after Rudy Giuliani conceded in two stipulations in the case 
that he had made false statements when he accused the election workers, that he had made false statements when he accused election workers, Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss of manipulating ballots while working at the State Farm Arena for the Fulton County Board of Electors. Rudy Giuliani's legal team has sought to clarify that he was not admitting to wrongdoing and that his stipulations were solely meant to short circuit the costly process of producing documents and other records to Ms. Freeman and Ms. Moss so that he could move toward dismissing the allegations outright. But we know he was lying. But we know he was lying. Although the stipulations essentially conceded that his statements about Ms. Freeman and Ms. Moss were false, Rudy Giuliani has continued to argue that his attacks on them were protected by the First Amendment. But Judge Howe complaining that Rudy Giuliani's stipulations, uh, uh, quote, hold more holes, H-O-L-E-S, than Swiss cheese, end quote. Okay? The, the, uh, Judge Howe said that Rudy Giuliani's stipulations hold more holes than Swiss cheese, took the proactive step of declaring him liable for, quote, defamation, intentional infliction of emotional distress, civil conspiracy, and punitive damage claims, and punitive damage claims. Now, in a statement, Rudy Giuliani's, uh, in a statement, Rudy Giuliani's political advisor, Ted Goodman, uh, slammed the opinion as, quote, a prime example of the weaponization of our justice system where the process is the punishment. No, he hasn't been punished yet. Here's the, oh, the punishment is coming. Uh, Teddy Ruxpin, the punishment is coming. He, he hasn't been punished yet. Ted Goodman added that, quote, this decision should be reversed as Mayor Giuliani is wrongly accused of not preserving electronic evidence. Okay. Judge Howe's decision to effectively skip the fact-finding stage of the defamation case and move straight to an assessment of damages came after a protracted struggle, a protracted struggle by Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss to force Rudy Giuliani to turn over evidence they believed they deserved as part of the discovery process. Okay, so he's going to get his ass kicked in civil court and in criminal court. In her ruling, uh, in her ruling, Judge Howe accused Rudy Giuliani of paying only, quote, lip service, quote, unquote, lip service to his discovery obligations by failing to take reasonable steps to preserve or produce, end quote, reams of relevant information. OK, failing. By failing to take reasonable steps to preserve or produce reams of relevant information information his repeated excuses and attempts to paint himself as the victim just like donald trump does they're the victim everybody's against the whole world's against them his repeated excuses and attempts to paint himself as the victim in the case the judge went on quote unquote thwarted the two women's quote procedural rights to obtain any meaningful discovery end quote uh, Judge Howe wrote in uh, her decision 
donning a cloak of victimization may play well on a public stage to certain audiences, but in a court of law, but in a court of law, this performance has served only to subvert the normal process of discovery in a straightforward defamation case, end quote. In other words, Rudy Giuliani, your mouth wrote a check, your behind can't cash. That's, what, that, that, that's what's happening to you right now, okay? And this is what's going to happen with Judge Chockton, okay? Well, you're not indicted there yet. But this is what's going to happen with Fannie Willis, Rudy Giuliani. Now, Rudy, now I'm telling you right now, Rudy Giuliani is not going to go to prison because Rudy Giuliani is going to flip. He's going to cut a deal. The reason why is he knows his, his old ass is not going to be able to survive in prison. As many people as Rudy Giuliani has put in prison, he knows he's not going to be able to survive in prison. So he's going to cut a deal and he's going to flip. He can talk all that talk on Fox News. He can talk all that talk on social media. Rudy's going to make damn sure he doesn't go to prison. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now. Okay. So he, he, he's going to cut a deal. There's going to be a whole lot of, of these 19 co-conspirators. It's going to be a lot of them cutting deals. You already had three other fake electors. Okay. They, they, they're pointing the finger at Trump and, and saying Trump was the ringlinger. He's, he, he's the one who, or, who organized this whole fake elector scheme, things like this. And they were operating based upon the direction of Trump. There's going to be a lot of them cutting deals, become a state witness because they're going to stay out of prison. And, and when you go through and read this 98 page indictment and, and I'm, I'm guaranteed, I guarantee you when, when you, when you understand prosecutors, they don't ever put all the evidence in the indictment. So there's more evidence that Fonnie Willis has that's not in this indictment. There's going to be a lot of people taking plea deals and testifying against Trump and Rudy Giuliani, all of them testifying against the people at the top. This is not going to be a hot boy summer for Donald Trump. All right. Now, the remedy for all of this, Judge Howell added, was that Rudy Giuliani would have to pay nearly $90,000 in legal fees uh, that Shea Moss and uh, that Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss had incurred and would suffer a default judgment on the central issue of whether he had defamed the women. The lawsuit filed by uh, Freeman and Moss in December 2021 was among the first to be brought by individual election workers who found themselves targets of criticism and conspiracy theories, targets of criticism and conspiracy theories promoted by right wing uh, politicians and media figures who claimed that Donald Trump had won the election. All of them knew that they were lying, but they're lying for money and ratings. All of them knew that they were lying. The two women sued other defendants, including uh, the One America News Network and some of its top officials, but ultimately reached settlements with everyone except Rudy Giuliani. Rudy don't have any money. Donald Trump owes Rudy $3 million. You would think a billionaire would pay his bills. You would think a billionaire would pay his legal fee. Why does a billionaire have to sell merchandise with his mugshot on it to raise money to pay legal fees? What type of billionaire is that? 
Okay, read the read the rest of this here. Read the rest of this article here. I want to get back to the indictment. Giuliani is liable for defaming Georgia election workers, judge says. Now, this is from August 30th, 2023, New York Times. But all the news outlets have articles, uh, have stories on this also. Okay. All right. Let's go back to um, the actual indictment. Uh, for my peoples, do you believe you'll actually be convicted on some of the charges? Absolutely. Donald Trump's going to be convicted. Giuliani's going, he's going, Giuliani's going to take a plea deal. Giuliani ain't going to prison. I'm telling you right now, Giuliani's not going to go to prison for Trump and, and, and Trump owes him $3 million in legal fees. He's going to go to prison for this fool. Even if Trump paid it, paid all the legal fees, Rudy Giuliani's not going to go to prison. He wouldn't last 24 hours in prison. Okay. So number five, uh, back to manner and methods. Okay, number five, uh, solicitation of high-ranking United States Department of Justice officials. Solicitation of high-ranking United States Department of Justice officials. Members of the enterprise, including several other defendants, corruptly solicited high-ranking United States Department of Justice officials to make false statements to government officials in Fulton County, Georgia, including the governor, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, and the President pro temp of the Senate. In one instance, Donald Trump stated to the acting United States Attorney General, quote, just say that the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman. Just say that the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman. This is what Donald Trump said to the acting United States Attorney General. Number six, solicitation of the vice president of the United States. That was Mike Pence. Members of the enterprise, including several of the defendants, corruptly solicited the vice president of the United States to violate the United States Constitution and federal law by unlawfully rejecting electoral college votes in Fulton County, Georgia, by the duly elected and qualified presidential electors from Georgia. Members of the enterprise also corruptly solicited the vice president to reject votes cast by the duly elected and qualified presidential electors from uh, several other states. Number seven, dealing with uh, manner and methods, manner and methods of the enterprise. Number seven, we're on page 18 of the 98-page indictment. I'm not going through all 98 pages here. Unlawful breach of election equipment in Georgia and elsewhere. Unlawful breach of election equipment in Georgia and elsewhere. Members of the enterprise, including several of the defendants, corruptly conspired 
in Fulton County, Georgia, and elsewhere to unlawfully access secure voting equipment and voter data. In Georgia, members of the enterprise stole data, including ballot images, voting equipment, voting equipment software, and personal voter information. The stolen data was then distributed to other members of the enterprise, including members in other states. So all you Trump supporters, now Black Lives Matter conspired to do something like this and steal voter data, steal ballot images, steal voting equipment software, and steal personal voter information. Your argument is that nothing to see, nothing wrong with that. This is nothing. The stolen data was then distributed to the other members of the enterprise, including members in other states. And then number eight, obstructive acts in the furtherance of the conspiracy and the cover-up. Members of the enterprise, including several of the defendants, filed false documents, made false statements to government investigators, and committed perjury in judicial proceedings in Fulton County, Georgia, and elsewhere in furtherance of and to cover up the conspiracy. That's page 19. Okay, so then it goes into laying out the 161 overt acts that were committed by the co-conspirators. 100 and 61 overt acts, acts of racketeering activity and overt acts in furtherance of the conspiracy begins on page 20. As part of and on behalf of the criminal enterprise detailed above the defendants and other members and associates of the enterprise committed overt acts to, to effect the objectives of the enterprise, including but not limited to, now I'm not gonna go through all 161 over acts. I have some highlighted that we're gonna look at here. We're gonna concentrate on the ones involving Trump, but there's some other ones, Rudy Giuliani, there's some, uh, there's some other ones. So we'll, 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 there's about 20 of them that we'll look at, I think. All right, now, uh, if we look at this here, over at act number one, On or about the fourth day of November 20th, Donald Trump made a nationally televised speech, a nationally televised speech falsely declaring victory in the 2020 presidential election. So this was the day after the election. That was early that morning, the day, the day after early that morning. Approximately four days earlier, on or about October 31st, 2020, Donald Trump discussed a draft speech with unindicted co-conspirator individual number one, whose identity is known to the grand jury, that falsely declared victory and falsely claimed voter fraud. That falsely declared victory and falsely claimed voter fraud. The speech was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. 
Okay, so then it goes into overt act number two. On or about the 15th day of November, 2020, Rudolph William Louise Giuliani placed a telephone call to unindicted co-conspirator individual two, whose identity is known to the grand jury and left an approximately 83 second long voice message for unindicted co-conspirator individual two making statements concerning fraud in the November 3rd, 2020 election in Fulton County, Georgia. This telephone call was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. This telephone call was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Okay, so then it goes through and lays out some more overt acts by Donald Trump and Sidney Powell and uh, Jenna Ellis. We're going to go to overt act number five. Okay, on or about uh, November 20th, 2020, Donald Trump and Mark Meadows, his chief of staff, his chief of staff at the time, met with majority leader of the state of Michigan, okay, the Michigan Senate, the state of Michigan Senate, Michael Shirky, who's a Republican, Speaker of the House of Representatives, Lee Chatfield, and other Michigan legislators in the Oval Office at the White House. And Donald Trump made false statements concerning fraud in the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election in Michigan. Rudolph William Louise Giuliani joined the meeting by telephone. This meeting was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Okay, so then we have overt act number six. Overt act number seven uh, took place on or about November 22nd, 2020. Donald John Trump and Rudolph Giuliani placed a telephone call to speaker of the Arizona House of Representatives, Russell Rusty Bowers, who got voted out of office after this. Now, Rusty Bowers testified at the January 6th hearing as well. During the telephone call, Rudy Giuliani made false statements concerning fraud in the November 3rd presidential election in Arizona and solicited, requested, and importuned Rusty, uh, uh, Russell Rusty Bowers to unlawfully appoint presidential electors from Arizona, to unlawfully appoint presidential electors from Arizona. Now, Rusty Bowers declined and later testified to the United States House of Representatives Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol that he told Donald Trump, quote, I would not break my I would not break my oath, end quote. The false statements and solicitations were overt acts in furtherance of the conspiracy. OK, so then we go to overt act number eight. Page 21 on or about the 25th day of November 2020, Rudolph Giuliani and Jenna Ellis appeared, spoke and presented witnesses at a meeting of Pennsylvania legislators in Gettysburg, uh, Pennsylvania. During the meeting, Rudolph Giuliani made false statements concerning fraud in the November 3rd uh, election in Pennsylvania and solicited, requested, and importuned the Pennsylvania legislators present at the meeting to unlawfully appoint, unlawfully appoint presidential electors from Pennsylvania. 
During the meeting, Jenna Ellis solicited, requested, and importuned um, the Pennsylvania legislators present at the meeting to unlawfully appoint presidential electors from Pennsylvania. Donald John Trump joined the meeting by telephone, made false statements concerning fraud in the uh, November 3rd election in Pennsylvania, and solicited, requested, and importuned the the Pennsylvania legislators present at the meeting to unlawfully appoint presidential electors from Pennsylvania. These were overt acts in furtherance of a conspiracy. So when we look at these different charges that we see some of the same language, false statements appears over 100 times, uh, um, solicited, requested, and importuned the legislators. This is dealing with the fake fake electors. Things of this nature. Okay, now if we skip over and go to page 25, overt act number 24. Overt act number 24. And for those just joining us, I'm reading this is from the actual 98 page indictment out of Fulton County, Georgia. That was the, the indictment uh, was handed down August 14th. Okay, on page 25 of the indictment, we're looking at the 161 overt acts that the 19 co-conspirators and uh, uh, some who uh, the indicted 19 co uh, 19 uh, indicted co-conspirators and some unindicted co-conspirators committed allegedly. Okay, this deals with uh, November 3rd. I'm sorry, December 3rd, 2020. Rudy Giuliani committed the felony offense of false statements and writings in violation of uh, Georgia uh, statute uh, 161020 in Fulton County, Georgia, by knowingly, willfully, and unlawfully making at least one of the following statements and representations to members of the Georgia Senate present at a Senate Judiciary Subcommittee. Number one that at least 96,000 mail-in ballots were counted in the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election in Georgia, despite there being no record of those ballots having been, uh, ret- having been returned to a county elections office. Number two, the Dominion voting systems equipment used in November, in the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election in Ant- Antrim, County, Michigan, mistakenly recorded 6,000 votes for for Joe Biden when the votes were actually cast for Donald Trump. Rudy Giuliani knew he was lying. He knew he was lying. And if they had evidence, some credible evidence to present, they would have done this in the 62 lawsuits that they filed. There were 62 lawsuits that Trump and his cronies filed to overturn election results. They lost 61 of the 62 lawsuits. The only lawsuit that they won was in Philadelphia, and that dealt with how close poll watchers could be to poll workers counting votes. They lost cases before judges that Donald Trump nominated. They lost cases before judges that 
President Barack Obama nominated. They lost cases in front of judges that other presidents nominated. All right, let's continue here. Okay, so, um, all right, so read the rest of that. That's page 25. Okay, now let's look at page 27. That was overt act, um, 24. Let's look at Overt Act 31. This is on page 27. On or about the fifth day of December 2020, Donald John Trump placed a telephone call to Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, who is a Republican, and solicited, requested, and importuned Governor Brian Kemp to call a special session of the Georgia General Assembly. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Okay, overt act number, so that's 31. Overt act number 32, on or about December 6, 2020, Donald Trump caused to be uh, tweeted from the Twitter account at real Donald Trump. Quote, gee, what a surprise. Has anyone informed the so-called, uh, says he has no power to do anything, Governor Brian Kemp uh, at, at Brian Kemp uh, GA and his puppet Lieutenant Governor at uh, Jeff Duncan GA that they could easily solve this mess and win signature verification and call a special session so easy. Okay. And he put a link to something quote. Uh, uh, he put a link to uh, a domain name. It's a, a hyperlink. Um, website address this was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy overt act number 33 on or about december 26 2020 sydney catherine powell the attorney crazy the crazy lady the attorney entered into a written engagement agreement with sullivan strickler llc a forensic data firm located in Fulton County, Georgia, for the performance of computer forensic collections and analytics on Dominion voting systems, on Dominion voting systems equipment in Michigan and elsewhere. The unlawful breach of uh, election equipment in Coffee County, Georgia, was subsequently performed under this agreement. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Okay, now we know that Fox News had to settle a lawsuit with uh, with, with uh, Dominion Voting Systems for seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars because the lies that Fox News hosts were spreading on Fox News and allowing guests to spread too, like Sidney Powell. Now, the big lawsuit is from um, uh, uh, I think it's thematic. Uh, the, the, it's another voting, it's another voting ma uh, machine manufacturer. That one is for something uh, like the lawsuits for like about 2.6 billion, 2.7 billion, something like that.
Okay, now, uh, let's see. Okay, so that was over at Act 33. If we look at over at Act 38 on page 29, right here. On or about the seventh day of uh, December, on or about the seventh day of December, Rudy Giuliani caused to be tweeted from the Twitter account at Rudy Giuliani a retweet of unindicted co-conspirator individual number eight, whose identity is known to the grand jury that stated, quote, Georgia Patriot call to action. Georgia Patriot call to action. Today is the day. We need you to call your state Senate and House reps and ask them to sign the petition for a special session. We must have free and fair elections in Georgia, and and uh, this is our only path to ensuring every legal vote is counted. At real Donald Trump, um, this was an overt, and this was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. If we look at over at act number 40, this was uh, December 7th, on or about December 7, 2020, Donald Trump requested that Bill White, an individual associated with the Trump campaign, then residing in Fulton County, Georgia, provide him with the certain, provide him with certain information, including contact information for majority leader of Georgia's Senate, Mike Duggan, uh, and President Pro Temp of the Georgia Senate, Butch Miller. The following day, Bill White sent an email containing the requested information to Rudy Giuliani. Unindicted co-conspirator individual five, whose identity is known to the grand jury and, and others. Okay, so this was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. So that's uh, act number 40, act number 41. This was on or about December 7th, 2020. Rudy Giuliani placed a telephone call to Speaker of the Georgia House of Representatives, David Ralston, and discussed holding a special session of the Georgia General Assembly. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. We look at uh, number 42, over at act number 42. On or about the seventh day of uh, December 2020, Donald Trump committed the felony offense of solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer in violation of uh, Georgia statute 16-4-7 and 16-10-1 in Fulton County, Georgia, by unlawfully soliciting, requesting and importuning Speaker of the Georgia House of Representatives, David Ralston, and public officer, uh, a public officer to engage in conduct constituting the felony offense of violation of oath by public officer. Okay, and by calling a special session of the Georgia General Assembly for the purpose of unlawfully appointing presidential electors from Georgia in willful and 
in willful and intentional violation of the terms of the oath of said person as prescribed by law with intent that said person engage in said conduct. Okay. This is another overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Then we have overt act number 43. On or about the eighth day of December, 2020, Donald John Trump placed a telephone call uh, to uh, Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr, Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr, for the purpose of making false statements concerning fraud in the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election in Georgia and elsewhere. During the telephone call, Donald Trump asked Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr not to discourage other state attorneys general, not to discourage other state attorneys general from joining a federal lawsuit filed by the state of Texas contesting the administration of the November 3rd uh, presidential election in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. This was another overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Uh, overt act number 44. On or about the eighth day of December 2020, Donald John Trump and John Charles Eastman, who's uh, who's one of the main architects of the fake elector scheme, John Eastman, placed they both placed a telephone call to Republican National Committee Chairwoman Rona McDaniel, who's the niece of Mitt Romney, to request her assistance gathering certain individuals to uh, to meet and cast electoral votes for Donald Trump on December 14, 2020, in certain states, despite the fact that Donald Trump lost the November 3rd presidential election in those states. Okay, this was another overt act. Okay, so then we skip over to, that was overt act 44. I wanna look now at overt act 55 on page 33. Okay, over at Act 55 on page 33. So this is on or about December 10th, 2020. Rudy Giuliani and Ray Stalling Smith III committed the felony offense of solicitation of violation of oath by public officer in violation of uh, Georgia Statute 16-4-7 and 16-10-1 in Fulton County, Georgia, by unlawfully soliciting and requesting, by unlawful, unlawfully soliciting, requesting, and importuning certain public officers, then serving as elected members of the Georgia House of Representatives and present at the at the House governmental affairs committee meeting, including representatives Shaw Blackman, John Burns, Barry Fleming, Todd Jones, B. Uh, New, uh, Gyun, Margaret, Mary Margaret Oliver, etc. To engage in conduct constituting the felony offense of violation of oath by a public officer, uh, and then you have 16-10-1 by unlawfully appointing presidential electors from Georgia 
in willful and intentional violation of the terms of the oath of said persons as prescribed by law with intent that said persons engage in said conduct. This was another overt act. Okay, so then we have 56, overt act 56. This involves Rudy Giuliani. This is page 34. On or about December 10th, 2020, Rudy Giuliani committed the felony offense of false statements and writings in violation of uh, Georgia's statute 16-10-20 uh, in Fulton County, Georgia, by knowingly, willfully, and unlawfully making at least one of the following false statements and representations to uh, members of the Georgia House of Representatives present at the House Governmental Affairs Committee meeting. One, that it is quite clear that from the State Farm Arena video from November 3rd, 2020, that Fulton County election workers were stealing votes and that Georgia officials were covering up a crime in plain sight. This is false. He knows it's false. Two, that a State Farm Arena, that at State Farm Arena, November 3rd, 2020, Democratic officials, quote unquote, got rid of all of the reporters, all the observers, anyone that couldn't be trusted, end quote, used the excuse of a water main break, cleared out the voting area, and then, quote, went about their dirty, crooked business, end quote. Three, that between 12,000 to 24,000 ballots were illegally counted by Fulton County election workers at State Farm Arena, November 3rd, 2020. Four, that in Michigan, there were 700,000 more ballots counted than were sent out to voters in the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election, which was accounted, which was accounted for by quadruple counting ballots. Five, that Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss and unidentified and an unidentified man were quote, quite obviously surreptitiously passing around USB ports as if they're vials of heroin or cocaine at State Farm Arena to be used to quote, infiltrate the crooked Dominion voting uh, voting machines. Starmatic was the uh, other voting machine I was thinking about, Starmatic. Their lawsuit, uh, against Fox News is about 2.6, 2.7 billion. So that's the next lawsuit Fox News is going to have to deal with. Okay. Rudy Giuliani had to be high on heroin or cocaine to say something stupid like this. And then number six, that 96,000 mail-in ballots were counted in the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election in Georgia despite there being no record of those ballots having been returned to a county elections officer. Okay, all this stuff is false. All these statements are false. Said statements being within the jurisdiction of the office of the Georgia Secretary of State and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, departments and agencies of state government and uh, county and city law enforcement agencies this was an act of racketeering activity 
under uh, the Georgia uh, state law uh, 16-14-3 section 5A um, and that's uh, section 22, Roman numerals 22 and an overt act and furtherance of the conspiracy. Okay, so you get the idea here. Now, we're going to skip over that was over Act 56. We're going to skip over to uh, over that. We'll skip over that one. Uh, over Act 75. You can look at that page 39. 75. You can look at that one. That deals with December 14, 2020. Um, it deals with Donald John Trump again. Uh, this was a tweet. Mentioned in Brian Kemp, Governor Brian Kemp. Let's go to page 44. Uh, over at Act number 93. All right, we're getting through these. There are 161 overt acts. We're on 93. Okay, this is with Donald Trump, December 3rd, 2020. On or about December 3rd, 2020, Donald Trump placed a telephone call to the Office of Georgia's Secretary of State, uh, Chief Investigator Francis Watson, that had been previously arranged by his Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows. During the phone call, Donald Trump falsely stated, falsely stated that he had won the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election in Georgia, quote, by hundreds of thousands of votes. He falsely stated to the uh, Office of the Secretary of State Chief Investigator Francis Watson that he had won the election in Georgia by hundreds of thousands of votes and stated to Chief Investigator Francis Watson that, quote, when the right answer comes out, you'll be praised, end quote. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Okay, now let's go to 95. We'll skip over 94. Let's go to 95. This deals with Rusty Bowers again, um, who was uh, the Speaker of the Arizona House of Representatives. On or about the 25th day of December 2020, Donald John Trump placed a telephone call to Speaker of the House of Representatives, Rusty Bowers, for the purpose of soliciting, requesting, and importuning uh, Speaker Bowers to unlawfully appoint presidential electors from Arizona. During the call, Speaker Bowers stated to Donald Trump, quote, I voted for you, I worked for you, I campaigned for you, I just won't do anything illegal for you, end quote. This telephone call was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Let's go to uh, Overt Act number 897 on page 45, Overt Act number 97 out of 161. I just want people to understand how damaging this, this 98 page indictment is, okay? I just want people to understanding how damaging this 98 page indictment is, okay? Now you got Connie saying this is disinformation you don't know what he's talking about. Okay, uh, look, Connie, see, this is what happens when you come here and don't know what the hell you're talking about and don't read and you get all your news from Fox News 
in one America or whatever conspiracy theory uh, news outlets you go to. I'm reading from the actual 98 page indictment. You obviously haven't read it. Well, when's the last time you read 98 pages? I'm reading from the indictment. You haven't read the indictment. Most Trump supporters have not read the indictment. Okay. If you read the indictment, if everything was the same, except the name was um, Barack Obama instead of Donald Trump, none of these Trump supporters defending this nonsense would say, oh, it's nothing. Oh, he, he he didn't mean it. Oh, he has the right to oh he has the right to free speech. He has a right to challenge. Free speech is one thing. You don't have a right to a conspiracy. You don't have a right to conspire to over to illegally overturn election results. After you lost sixty one out of sixty two lawsuits. So. This ain't the type of show that you're used to. I'm a historian and a political commentator. You can watch me every Friday on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Daily digital show. Okay, so this is, this is not what you're used to. All right, now. Um, okay, we got people spamming. So I just block spammers and keep on going. We get trolls and spammers. I got trolls in different er in different area codes. So, hey, I've been doing radio 13 years. I'm used to it. I've got trolls in different area codes. Okay, Overt Act number 97. On or about December 27th, it's two days after Christmas, 2020, Donald Trump solicited acted, acting United States Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen Acting United States Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen and Acting United States Deputy Attorney General Richard Donahue to make a false statement stating, quote, just say that the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman. Just say that the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman, end quote. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Okay, overt act number 102, page 46. On or about the 30th day of December, 2020, Rudolph Giuliani, Ray Stallings III, and Robert uh, David Cheeley committed the felony offense of solicitation of violation of oath by public officer. That's Georgia um, State Statute 16-4-7 and 16-10-1 in Fulton County, Georgia, by soliciting, requesting, and importuning certain public officers, then serving as elected members of the Georgia Senate and present at a Senate Judiciary Subcommittee meeting, including unindicted co-conspirator individual eight, whose identity is known to the grand jury, Senators Brad and Beach, Brandon Beach, 
Bill Heath, William Ligon, uh, Michael Rett, etc., to engage in conduct constituting the felony offense of violation of oath by public officer, Georgia State Statute 16-10-1, by unlawfully appointing presidential electors from the state of Georgia, by unlawfully appointing presidential elections from the state of Georgia, presidential electors from the state of uh, from the state of Georgia, in willful and intentional violation of the terms of the oath of said persons as prescribed by law with intent that said persons engage in said conduct. Okay, so, uh, and then we have over at number 103, Rudy Giuliani, December 30th, 2020, committed the felony offense of false statements and writings in violation of uh, uh, Georgia State Statute 16-10-20, in Fulton County, Georgia, by by knowingly, willfully, and unlawfully making at least one of the following statements and representations to members of the Georgia State Senate present at a Senate Judiciary Subcommittee meeting. Number one, the Fulton County election workers, uh, that, that Fulton County election workers fraudulently counted certain ballots as many as five times at the State Farm Arena on November 3rd, okay? Blatantly false. That Fulton County election workers fraudulently counted certain ballots as many as five times at the State Farm Arena. Number two, that 2,560 felons voted illegally in the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election in Georgia. Number three, that 10,315 dead people voted in the November 3rd presidential election in Georgia. All right, so uh, now we have overt action number 108. This deals with um, December 31st, uh, New Year's Eve. 2020, Donald John Trump, John Charles Eastman committed felony offense and filing documents in violation of uh, Georgia state statute. Um, okay, so in um, making uh, the documents contain at least one of the following, following uh, materially false statements, uh, as many as 2,506 felons with an uncompleted sentence voted illegally, at least 66,247 underage people voted illegally in the November 3rd uh, election in Georgia, uh, at least 2,423 individuals voted illegally uh, who were not listed in the state's records as having been registered to vote. Uh, they go on and on and on. All right, now, um, over at act number 112 page 50 on about January 2nd 2021 so this is four days before the January 6th insurrection on or about January 2nd 2021 Donald Trump and Mark Meadows committed the felony offense 
of solicitation of violation of oath by public officer. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Skip down here. Okay. By unlawfully soliciting, requesting, and importuning Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, a public officer, to engage in conduct constituting the felony offense of violation of oath by public officer, by unlawfully altering, unlawfully, uh, unlawfully adjusting, and otherwise unlawfully influencing the certified returns for presidential electors for November 3rd, 2020, uh, presidential election in Georgia in willful retention, in, in willful and intentional violation of the terms of the oath of said person as prescribed by law with the intent that said per, uh, person engage in said conduct. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Okay, page 51, overt act, uh, 113. This is January 2nd, 2021. Donald John Trump committed the felony offense of false statements and writings um, by knowingly, willfully, and unlawfully making at least one of the following statements and representations to Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, Georgia Secretary Georgia Deputy Secretary of State Jordan uh, uh, Fuchs, F-U-C-H-S, um, and Georgia Secretary of State uh, General Counsel Ryan Germany. Number one, that anywhere from 250,000 to 300,000 ballots were dropped mysteriously into the voter rolls in the November 3rd, uh, 2020 presidential election in Georgia. Uh, that thousands of people attempted to vote in the November 3rd presidential election in Georgia and were told they could not because a ballot had already been cast in their name. This, this is all false. Uh, that Ruby Freeman was a professional vote scammer and a known political operative. That Ruby Freeman, her daughter, Shea Moss and others were responsible for fraudulent awarding at least fraudulently awarding at least 18,000 ballots to uh, Joe Biden at State Farm Arena, no, uh, November 3rd. Um, that close to 5,000 dead people voted in November 3rd, 2020 presidential election. Now, in that January 2nd phone call that Brad Raffensperger recorded, he told him it wasn't 5,000 dead people. It, it was two dead people. Two. T-W-O, two, not 5,000. Number 11. So where the hell they get five, where did Trump and his co-conspirators get 5,000 from? Um, number 11. That Ruby Freeman stuffed the ballot boxes. That's false as well. Number twelve, that hundreds of ballot, uh, uh, hundreds of ballots, have been dumped into Fulton County, and and another county adjacent to Fulton County, in the November third uh, presidential election in Georgia. Okay, now, now this involves overt act number one sixteen, page fifty four. This involves that idiot Travion Cutty, 
the 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 black woman, Travian Cutty, who was smiling in in her uh, uh, mug shot. This one, let me show you this idiot here. She was also a former publicist for uh, uh, Kanye West. What, what what do they say about birds of a feather? Now she wasn't working for Kanye West when she approached Ruby Freeman, but she used to work for Kanye West. Doesn't surprise me. Let's look at this here. Uh, let's pull this up. Mug shots. It's from NBC News. Okay, so uh, this article here. See mug shots. How's everybody doing today? All right. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a heart. Give us a like on this broadcast. Follow us on our fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network on Facebook and my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P on YouTube. Turn on live notifications so you know when we go live. Okay, NBCnews.com. Click on the bell also on YouTube. See the mug shots in Trump's Georgia case, Meadows, Giuliani, Powell, Ellis, Chesterborough, and others. Okay, so this is from August 24th. Uh, we know Donald Trump was released on a $200,000 bond. Why does a billionaire have to go to a, a bail bondsman? The bail bondsman puts up the... Uh, Total the, the total amount of the bond, you pay the bail bondsman a percentage. You pay the bail bondsman like 10%, and then uh, the bail bondsman charges you like an extra percentage, an extra fee. Why does a billionaire need to go to a bail bondsman for a $200,000 bail? Uh, so that, like I said, 13 counts against Trump, uh, three uh Three of solicitation, three of the counsel for solicitation of violation of oath of public uh, oath of violation of oath by public officer, two of conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, two of conspiracy to commit false statements, two of uh, false statements and writings, one of violation of the Georgia RICO Act, one of conspiracy to commit uh filing false documents, conspiracy to commit filing false documents, one of filing false documents, one of conspiracy to commit to impersonating a public officer. Okay. So this is dealing with uh, 13 counts against Donald Trump. Now, if we um, scroll down to, and here's this uh, idiot's mugshot as well. that he put on all type of merchandise to raise money to pay his legal fees and pay the legal fees of some of his uh, uh, co-conspirators. Okay, so we have uh, Rudy Giuliani, Mark Meadows, Jenna Ellis, uh, Chester Burrow. We want, uh, this is a uh, dumbass, Sidney Powell. And that's right, that's Ray Smith. Uh, no, hold on. Yeah, that's dumbass Sidney Powell. I was correct. Then we go to, I want uh, Travian Kuti. Harrison Floyd, he finally got out of jail. He uh, a bond, uh, he was given bond. 
Jeffrey Clark. Okay, right here. Travion Cousy or Cuddy. The former publicist for Kanye West was booked Friday on a $75,000 bond. She faces three counts, one of violation of the Georgia RICO Act, one of influencing witnesses, one of conspiracy to commit uh, solicitation of false statements. This is this idiot right here. Don't, don't she look like a crazy ex-girlfriend? I'm, I'm just saying. This is... This is this is like some demonic stuff or something. This is like a like a crazy ex girlfriend or something like that. Okay. <laughs> so this fool. All right. Now let's look at this. Let's go back to the indictment. We're going to look at page fifty four. Overt Act number one sixteen, involving this idiot. Um. Fabian Cootie, on or about the fourth day of January, 2021. So this is two days before the insurrection. Travian Cuddy, having been recruited by Harrison William Prescott Floyd, that's the black guy that sat in jail for five days, traveled from Chicago, Illinois to Atlanta, Georgia, and caused a certain individual whose identity is known to the grand jury to pick her up from a train station in Fulton County, Georgia, for the purpose of attempting to contact Ruby Freeman, a Fulton County, Georgia election worker. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Okay, that's overt act number 116, overt act number 117, Deals with January 4th, 2021. Travian Cuddy traveled to Ruby Freeman's home in Cobb County, Georgia, and attempted to contact her, but was unsuccessful. Travian Cuddy spoke with Ruby Freeman's neighbor and falsely stated that falsely stated that she was a crisis manager attempting to help Ruby Freeman before leaving Ruby Freeman's home. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Overt act number 118. This deals with January 4th again, 2021. Travian Cuddy, while in Fulton County, Georgia, placed a telephone call to Ruby Freeman and stated that Ruby Freeman was in danger. Travian Cuddy stated that she could, quote unquote, help Ruby Freeman and requested that Ruby Freeman uh, meet with uh, meet with and speak to her that night at a Cobb County Police Department precinct in Cobb County, Georgia. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Overt act number 119, same day, January 4th, 2021, Travian Cuddy traveled to a Cobb County Police Department precinct in Cobb County, Georgia, and met and spoke with Ruby Freeman for approximately an hour. Harrison William Prescott Floyd joined the meeting by telephone. Travian Cuddy and Harrison uh, Floyd stated to Ruby Freeman that she needed protection and purported to offer her help. 
Okay, this was another overt act in, in furtherance of the conspiracy. Okay, that's overt act number 119. Um, then you have overt act number 120 uh, as well. That deals with Travion Cuddy and uh, uh, Har uh, Harrison Floyd. Overt act number 121 deals with those two again. Over at Act Number One Twenty Three, Page Fifty Seven, this deals with this deals with Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence, right here. Over at Act Number One Twenty Three, on or about uh, January Fourth, John Eastman, January Fourth, Twenty Twenty, John Charles Eastman placed a telephone call to Speaker of the House of Representatives Rusty Bowers and solicited. Uh, requested and importuned Bowers to unlawfully appoint presidential electors from Arizona. During the call, Bowers declined to comply. Bowers, de let me see. Bowers declined to comply uh, with Eastman's request and stated that he would not risk violating his oath to office. Okay, now let's see here. Oh, I see what they did. I want, okay, you got 123, 124. Okay, they have 123 twice. That's an error. This should be 126. They have it a little out of order, misnumbered. This is what I want right here. Um, this deals with Mike Pence. This is page 57. On or about the fourth day of January, January, Donald John Trump and John Eastman met with Vice President Mike Pence, Chief of Staff, uh, Chief of Staff to the Vice President Mark Short, and counsel to the Vice President Greg Jacob in the Oval Office at the White House. During the meeting, Donald John Trump and John Charles Eastman argued to Vice President Mike Pence that he could either reject electoral college votes from certain states or delay the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021, the day prescribed by law for counting votes cast by the duly elected and qualified presidential electors from Georgia and other states for the purpose of allowing certain state legislatures to unlawfully appoint presidential electors in favor of Donald Trump. During the meeting, John Charles Eastman, who is an attorney, admitted both options violated the Electoral Count Act. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Now, this joint session of Congress that took place on January 6th is mandated by the U.S. Constitution. All right, and then let's see here. I have any more highlighted. Okay, over at Act Number 130, page 61. One thirty. this involves Mike Pence and Donald Trump also. Uh, on January 5th, the day before the insurrection, January 5th, 2021, Donald Trump met with Vice President Mike Pence in the Oval Office. During the meeting, Donald Trump stated 
that Mike Pence had the power to decertify the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election results, which is a lie. Donald Trump stated that people cheated and that uh, Vice President Mike Pence wanted to, quote, play by uh, Marquis of Marquis of Queensberry rules, end quote, when Vice President Mike Pence stated that it was his duty to support and defend the Constitution and that only Congress had the power to decide uh, to reject states of presidential electors. Uh, Donald Trump stated that Mike Pence was naive, implied that he lacked courage, and stated that Mike Pence was doing, quote, a great disservice, end quote. This was another overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Uh, so that's overt act 130. We have 133 here as well. Uh, Donald Trump and uh, Vice President Pence, that was January 5th, 2021. Overt act number 135 on page 62, January, this this is January 6th now. This is the day of the insurrection. On or about January 6, 2021, Donald Trump appeared and spoke at a rally at the Ellipse in Washington, D.C. This is at the White House. During the rally, Donald John Trump made false statements concerning fraud in the, in the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election in Georgia and elsewhere. He solicited Vice President Mike Pence to disrupt and delay the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021, the day prescribed by law for counting votes cast by the duly elected and qualified presidential electors from Georgia and other states. And Trump encouraged those in attendance at the rally, encouraged those in attendance at the rally to march to the United States Capitol. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. So that's overt act number 135. Then we have 136 on page 62 as well. This deals with January 6th. Rudy Giuliani appeared at, at a rally at the Ellipse. During the rally, Giuliani made false statements concerning fraud in the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election in Georgia and elsewhere. And Rudy Giuliani solicited Vice President Mike Pence to disrupt and delay the joint session of Congress. Okay. Uh, it was just mandated by law, mandated by the U.S. Constitution. Uh, over at Act Number 140, let's skip to page 63. Over at Act Number 140, January 6, 2021. This involves Vice President Mike Pence. Donald John Trump placed a telephone call to Vice President Pence and solicited him to disrupt and dislay the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021, the day prescribed for counting votes mandated by the U.S. Constitution. Okay. Uh, when Vice President Mike Pence refused, Donald Trump stated that Pence would, quote, go down as a wimp, end quote, go down as a wimp, and that Pence was not protecting the United States. This was uh, in furtherance of the conspiracy. Okay, now, let me see. Do I have any more highlighted? Okay, Obert Act number 156. Obert Act number 156, page 68. Let's scroll down to this. This is from September 17th, 2021. This is uh, like nine months after Trump leaves the White House. 
on or about the 17th day of September 20, uh, September 17, 2021, uh, Donald John Trump committed the felony offense of solicitation of violation of oath by public officer, by public, public officer uh, in Fulton County, Georgia, by unlawfully soliciting, requesting, and importuning Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, a public official, to engage in conduct constituting the felony offense of violation of oath by public office by unlawfully, quote, decertifying uh, the election or whatever the correct legal remedy is and announce the true winner, end quote, in willful and intentional violation of the terms of the oath of said person as prescribed by law with intent that said person engage in said conduct okay so that's over at act number 156 then we go to over at act number 161 page 71 this deals with um on about uh, september 15th let me see okay you can read that robert david chile committed the felony offense of perjury um in Fulton County, Georgia, by knowingly, willfully, and unlawfully making at least one of the following statements. Okay, you can read that. Then, okay, that's it. That's that's going to do. That's the last one. Over at Act Number One Sixty One. Then it gets into the counts. Uh, it already laid out count one. Gets into count two, uh, three, four. Goes all the way up to forty-one. Okay, so. You can read this um, in the articles that I showed you. They have a link to it as well. Uh, this is the actual, this is a PDF of the actual um, indictment. Okay. I'll go through and read the actual indictments. And in the piece from the New York Times, they have the... Um, indictment there but in most of these articles there's a link to the uh indictment if you look at the one here uh even this one here dealing with trump surrenders this is from the new york times trump surrenders at atlanta jail in election interference case even if you look at this one here And scroll down um, here. Uh, here are the latest developments. Okay, so he was already uh, he was already booked. All of that released on two hundred thousand uh, dollar bond. But when you uh, oh his weight, he said he was six foot three. Uh, Mr. Trump was listed in the Fulton County booking system as having blonde or strawberry hair, a height of six foot three inches and weight of 215 pounds. The weight is 24 pounds less than the White House doctor reported Trump weighed in 2018. Okay, did he lose weight, 24 pounds? If he lost weight, it's probably because of stress. If he lost weight, it's probably because of stress and him trying to figure out how to keep his ass out of prison. But uh, down right here, uh, Trump, Georgia indictment, you click right there and then you scroll down, lay out the counts and then click right there, download the full PDF.
So another thing that added, so there's a racial component to this vilifying African-Americans who didn't vote for Trump, uh, vilifying Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, targeting Wisconsin, Detroit, uh, I mean, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Detroit, Michigan, Atlanta, Georgia, area, cities that have high populations of African-Americans, but also January 5th, um, January 5th, 2021, you had the runoff election. You had the uh, special election, special Senate election in Georgia. Raphael Warnock against Kelly Loeffler and um, John Ossoff against David Perdue. John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock win. Um, this infuriated a lot of Trump supporters, but especially the fact that Raphael Warnock, the African-American man, won again as U.S. Senator, won a full six-year term. And if you understand the Georgia runoff election law, um, it was created 1963 um, by Denmark Groover. It was championed 1963 by Denmark Groover, uh, who was a segregationist uh, member of the um, st uh, state legislature there in Georgia. And this uh, election law was designed to lock African-Americans out of uh, political power, statewide political power. It was designed to lock African-Americans out of uh, statewide political power. And if you read this article here, this is from 11alive.com. Uh, runoffs arose to limit, let's see, let's flip over to this here. Runoffs arose to limit power of black voters in Georgia, much of South experts say. Okay, and it goes through and lays out. This is from 11alive.com, November 9th, 2020. It goes through and lays out how the statewide runoff elections, if it was designed that if uh, neither candidate got 50% or more, okay, in both primaries and general elections, a candidate must receive 50% plus one vote. If that doesn't happen, the two candidates face um, each other in a runoff election, okay, to in a runoff to decide the election. Runoffs, though, once served a racially motivated purpose. At the Georgia State Capitol in the 1960s, State Representative Denmark Groover led a charge for runoff elections. Now, he was a known, he was a staunch segregationist. He was a known racist, Denmark Groover, okay? A federal report looking at civil rights in America called Denmark Groover a staunch segregationist. He pushed for runoffs in Georgia as a way to uh, challenge a growing black political power. The report reads, quote, support for the majority vote plan reinforced the moderate segregationist position. It did not remove anyone's rights to cast a ballot, but it was commonly regarded as hampering African-Americans, the stigmatized block voters, end quote. 
while still allowing black voters to cast a ballot, runoffs at the time attempted to make sure candidates representing the white majority, not the interests of black citizens, would be elected. Quote, the South traditionally was a one-party government, one-party uh, one Democrat uh, beginning in the 19th century up until the middle of the 20th century, and more recently, one-party Republican, end quote. So I'll read the rest of this here. Uh, so uh, the goal was if you had a number of white candidates in the primary and they split the white vote and then African-Americans put all their votes behind one African-American candidate in the primary, if that African-American candidate beat the white candidates, then if nobody got 50%, then the top two vote getters had to uh, run off against each other in a uh, runoff election so that all, all the white voters could coalesce their votes around one white candidate, regardless of the political affiliation of that white candidate. This was designed to, to, to defeat the African-American candidate and lock Afri African-Americans out of statewide political power in Georgia. Other Southern states adopt this law as well. This law is rooted in racism. We understand racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race. Okay. It's, it's, it's racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race that comes out of the ideology of European white supremacy. Racism uh, occurs when one race of people control the majority of the wealth, power, resources, privileges, uh, benefits, land, access to education, access to opportunity, jobs, uh, money, marketing, corporations, etc. And they use that to marginalize, subordinate, and do harm to another race of people. Okay, so this is the history of Georgia, which is a former Confederate state. So this is why understanding history is so important. And what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard and seen about yourself. All right. So um, that I think I got through all of the points that I wanted to get through. Read this article here from 11alive.com. Runoffs arose to limit power of black voters in Georgia, much of South. If you like this type of information, if you learned anything today, a couple of things you can do um, to help support the African History Network. Uh, you can register for the online history classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, on Saturdays, I teach ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. Kemet's one of the original names for Egypt. Kemet meaning land of the blacks. Uh, when you go to our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, you scroll down the page, scroll past the information, then with our radio show, we're on Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can register for this 12-week online course. We do the sessions live. All the classes are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch it anytime. Even after the 12-week online course is over with, you can go back and watch the entire course. You'll still have full access. This time around, we're going to do more than 12 weeks. Uh, we'll do 14, 15 weeks. 
Uh, next class, uh, Saturday, September 9th, uh, Saturday, September 2nd, Saturday, September 9th, 16th, 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Okay, so you register for that. It's on sale $80, regularly $130. Then on Sundays, uh, we have some videos here you can watch as well, the previews of the class. On Sundays, I, I teach uh, Black Resistance Movements from the Haitian Revolution, U.S. Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, and the Black Power Movement, 1800-1968. That class is on sale $40. Now we have a few uh, sessions left in that. But it's archived. Uh, you can go back. Um, we do the sessions live, but we have uh, episodes, uh, sessions of the class archived also that you can watch as well. And uh, this is a good video here that I did dealing with the Colfax Massacre of 1873, Colfax, Louisiana. You had about 150 African-Americans killed. This was one of the worst days of uh, this was a fight over political power. OK, this was during Reconstruction. Uh, Reconstruction is 1865 to 1877. You can support us uh, through Cash App and PayPal. Our Cash App link is dollar uh, or Cash app tag, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash app, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash app. When you go to it, it says Michael. It may show my picture there. This is our QR code for Cash app. And um, this shows our official Cash app account, dollar sign, the AHN show. These other ones here are fake African History Network Cash app accounts. There are like five fake ones I've identified. I'm trying to get Cash app to shut them down. Um, they're slower than Heinz ketchup. And this is our PayPal tag, uh, paypal.me forward slash the EHN show. You can also uh, sign up for our email newsletter or email me through the website as well. So I'm trying to get this link corrected uh, to sign up for our email newsletter. But you can uh, uh, email me right through the website. It says contact the African History Network at the top at the menu and just uh, send me your email address, uh, name and email address, and we'll uh, put you on our email list also. Okay. All right. So hopefully you learned a lot today. Uh, you can go back and watch this broadcast. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a heart. Give us a like on this broadcast. Register for the online classes, online history classes that I teach. I'm a historian, not, I'm not just a political commentator. I'm a historian. I've studied history 31 years. I, I've developed a curriculum for both of these online classes. There are 80 to 100 articles that we look that we go through in uh, with, with the two courses that I teach. Uh, the book references, we show you the book references on the screen. The first class, there's about 15 books that we reference also. Uh, the content is PG-13. You can use it with your children. So it's not overly graphic. I don't do a lot of cursing or anything like that, okay? All right, so hopefully you learned a lot today. Remember, right now is correct, wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. Talk to you next time. Peace.